Welcome back to the Rising Above podcast. I'm your host, David Huss, and today I have a special guest with me. He's a friend of mine. Um, I've met him a couple years back uh, from work. Um, and uh, anyways, he has a podcast as well called Two Brothers, One Mike, and he's coming on to share uh, a little bit about that and uh, a little bit about his journey with General Motors and some of the struggles that they've had to put him through. Um, so I guess without further introduction, how are you doing today, Tony? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, you know, you, when you just said that about the, the struggles with, with, uh, General Motors and so on and so, and so forth, I never really, um, uh, you know, being from Youngstown, Ohio, uh, you're talking about the steel mills, you're talking about 20,000 jobs in 1978 going away and, and, and probably been doubled by now today uh going down to like 60,000 people so when you have that kind of situation General Motors in Lordstown at with along with Delphi Packard and thousands and thousands of jobs and so it was what everybody in that tri-county area depended on for a living not just the people that worked at General Motors and the people that worked at Delphi but the people all around, you know, the suppliers, the mom and pop shops all around that, you know, dependent on that business from those people, uh, property taxes, you know, for school levies and one of the biggest, uh, uh, things to try to overcome when we got that announcement. But the way I look at it, like when you were talking about, you know, overcoming that type of trial and tribulation, while I worked at General Motors, I started in 1993. And from 1993 to 2018, it's the year I was born. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. And uh, and uh, so from 1993 to, to 2018, in that time span of 25 years, 23 and a half of those years as full time, um, we probably saw nine or ten different plants come to our plant for that same reason: Janesville, Wisconsin. Uh, Dorville, Georgia, Shreveport, Louisiana, Oklahoma City, uh, Mansfield, Ohio, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, even even in close in close and these people came to us. Yeah, we saw you know what it was like to have to deal with that situation. So when people you know say to me, I, I get this a lot. My heart breaks for you, you know, <laughs> and I don't know how to take that. And sometimes people say, I don't know how to take empathy or I don't. And, and the, the reason why is because you have to figure out how to adjust your sales. We talk about that on our podcast, me and my brother all the time. And you have to figure out, you know, I'm not saying that it's easy, you know, mm -hmm. but it's not that I don't appreciate, you know, the sympathy or the empathy, but you know, there's a lot of people around me that are dealing with what I'm dealing with, you know, and there's people that don't work for GM that are immediately in my life, you know, that are dealing with this as well, even though they don't work at General Motors, you know, right, they may work for like a supplier or whatnot, uh, right? And not only them, but I'm talking about, you know, back home, uh, I have two sons. And so, you know, one is going to be 12, Jake, and Jordan is nine years old, and autistic. And, uh, and so it, you know, trying to understand you know, where, where is dad? How's he going there? And he's coming back here and going there and coming back here. That's what I'm more worried about, you know? And, you know, their mom, um, you know, she's going to nursing school and, and at the same time picking up the slack while I'm up here. 
And so, you know, it's, you know, and her, you know, her parents, my parents, everybody back at home that it continues to pitch in, you know, in this situation. And then, you know, I think about all the other people that, you know, had to leave their plants to come to our plant. I think about, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, it wasn't just, they keep saying 1,600 people got, you know, laid off at Lordstown when they closed the plant. It's 4,500 people. Um, they, they shut down the third shift. And then months later, they shut down the second shift. And then months later, they, they shuttered the plant or they unallocated the plant, whatever that means. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, when that happened, that's, that's 4,500 people going in every different direction from Wentzville, Missouri to, to um, Nashville or, or, or was on. And, um, general public to read uh, an article in the paper and mm -hmm. be like, oh, well, they're getting 10. And 10. Those GM people, mm -hmm. pe the pub general public doesn't typically have much sympathy for ge the General Motors employees. We're rich. We're rich. Yeah. Um, but what they don't understand is that $10,000 isn't enough to uproot your family and move to a, a complete new area. Right. I mean, you can't buy a house with $10,000. No. And uh, yeah, so it's not as simple and cut and dry as people think it no, is. No, it's, 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 you have to sit there. And literally when uh, they made the announcement, it was uh, literally the day we came back from Thanksgiving break uh, in November of 2018. A gentleman from Detroit walked up on a platform uh, and within three minutes or less let us know that we were done and, uh, and walked off the platform and was... You're just sitting there looking at each other like... Merry Christmas, you know, I, and again, you know, I, you see this happen all over corporate America. You, it's not just us, right? But it's now happening to you. So in the moment, mm -hmm. I literally pulled out a notebook and started writing notes on what the different, different graphing things. People were laughing at me, <laughs> but I was trying to What were your out, choices? Yeah, there was so many different choices. There was literally walk away from General Motors with five years to go towards a pension. I, folks, I know it sounds, you know, those are the dinosaur years when pensions were, were uh, available in, in this country, but I still am one of those people that are lucky enough to have a pension. So do I walk away from the pension that I could have in five years, retire when I'm 53 years old or so, and relative for dreams I'm trying to chase at the same time, or uh, do I go wherever they're going to place me? So I kept playing the waiting game. Which I have my bachelor's degree and I applied to go back to college for my MBA, which I got accepted. And then uh, a buddy of mine who is retired Air Force, he now works as a civilian contractor for, for uh, the military. And he was trying to work with me to get my resume together and applications in all around the United States when it came to going into that line of work. That's a long process. Well, while that process was going on and I had just received word that I was accepted into the MBA program, General Motors came to me and said, you have exactly this much time to make a decision. Are you walking away from General Motors or you can go to here, here, here? And I saw Lansing Delta, so I pulled out the map. I started thinking to myself, how's this gonna work? Is it going to be, um, is it going to be basically
striking distance between Lansing and Youngstown, Ohio? Do I have striking distance to get back and forth, back and forth as much as I possibly can? Because the other places were Wentzville, Missouri, uh, Bowling Green, Kentucky, Arlington, Texas, and I would have, uh, there was no way I never would have made it home. So I wanted Toledo, you know, two and a half hours away, but then I said, well, I'm going to go with Lansing. I'm going to finish this out. Even my buddy said to me, the retired Air Force, he said, dude, go do this, finish, get your pension, come back home. And if you want, we could still work on, you know, maybe seeing if there's still those jobs. Because basically, that's not my dream. Uh, it sounds like a pretty cool job. But my dream is doing what we're doing right now, right? And, and doing what I've been doing for 20 years outside of General Motors, which is running my own business, working as a trainer for young people, um, both mind, body, and soul are all three together. And so, you know, basically, you know, when, when this all came down, number one thing. So when me and their mom sat down, we had to really, you know, map this whole thing out. And it was, it was a rough decision. It really was for a lot of people. Um, there, was even, there was even part of me that thought about going into physical therapy, but it wasn't a passion of mine, you know? And, and so I thought, you know, at some point, I hate to say be selfish, but don't just do something, you know, that you're going to hate the rest of your life. Like, uh, uh, here I am now. And, and, you know, I hear a lot of horror stories in terms of what people have had to go through that I work with that had to move away from family that have their kids back here, but they are like nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 hours away. How, you know, how rough they're going, you know, through life right now, the decisions they've had to make, they don't have anything to fall back on, you know? And so I think about how lucky I am. Um, I think about the fact that I, and I, I can't think of the exact number, but I know for a fact we've lost at least five people that have died through this. Now, wow. people can say statement. I'm saying that it's kind of ironic that in, from the time of this announcement till now, okay, we've had a couple of people take their own life at the plants that they were, you know, moved to. We've had three, two or three people have heart attacks that are younger than me. And I know them personally, and I know the stress levels they were under, leaving their families, and, and, and how that was, and good people. I mean, we're talking about good people, and that, that really doesn't even matter. It, no one deserves to go through that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I think to myself, you know, and actually one gentleman is up here in Lansing, where, you know, his roommate came home and found him in bed, and then his wife and children had to drive up here. You know, and what kind of drive is that? You know, what, what, what goes on there trying to explain to the kids, you know? It, so I think about that, and that's why when people say to me, my heart breaks for you, I'm lucky, you know? That drive home, uh, back and forth, which is 65 times tomorrow. Jeez. I've been, uh, I'm thinking about writing a book, so I've been <laughs> recording it, you know? Oh, really? Well, and it, yeah, and I'm trying to think about what I'm going to call the book, but it's 285 miles one way. That's what you uh, should call it. So, so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about it, but... Um, you know, but on my way back, you know what, you know what I do? I listen to rise above, right? I did this podcast with the uh, host David Hess 
and uh, I've listened to probably 13 or 14 of those uh, episodes now. I, you know, I listen to my 80s music. Yes, I'm a huge <laughs> 70s and 80s guy, as most people know. Do you still you, do you still do the 70s and 80s music on uh, nights on Facebook? Uh, I haven't in a while, but I, I thought it was getting a little weird because people were, <laughs> were requesting songs, and all I was doing was posting a link to the music. It wasn't like uh, I actually was playing the music. Right. Um, but people, and then people were getting mad if I did rock and roll eighties <laughs> instead of like R and B. And I oh was like, gosh. I was getting messages like, why are you doing rock and roll two times in a row? And I'm like, I'm just posting music on Facebook and you guys are like, <laughs> I started feeling an obligation to it. Yeah. But, um, uh, so, you know, and so that's what I do. I listen to my music. I listen to uh, for TKS athletics, which is my business. Um, uh, new customers. I let this, I let and we're off on the weekend in Lansing. And I train my athletes. I have 31 customers right now back at home. And so I, uh, I send out an email every Tuesday to date, this date, this date. And these are all the times that I'll be at the facility. And then people will text me. We want this time. We want this time. And, and I, I fill up my schedule. And I, I've, I've been lucky enough. I'll be going home for a month now because we're going to be shut down for retooling. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll have a full schedule of training. Uh, the entire time. I think that's pretty remarkable that, um, you know, it's, it's, hold on. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a stressful thing to have to travel back and forth mm -hmm. to, from Lordstown or you're from Lordstown, right? Yeah, well, Lordstown, from, yeah, yeah, Youngstown. Lordstown is a, a, a suburb of Youngstown, so to speak. So in other words, like, um, kind of like, uh, my drive from Okemos to Lansing Delta is the same from the area of Youngstown, I'm from a small town. It's spelled like the soup, but we don't say it. We just, we just. And, uh, and so um, the same drive from Okemos to Lansing Delta is the same drive from, from Camel to, to Lordstown. Okay. So it's, it's all in the same area of Youngstown, Ohio. Well, it's got to be extremely stressful uh, having to, to drive from Lansing all the way down to Camel, hmm. Ohio. Hmm. Oh. Having to try to raise your boys and trying to raise them here while you're you're not even home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've I've seen I've personally seen you coach them <laughs> over Skype. Yeah, yeah, over FaceTime live or yeah, yeah not FaceTime or, live, yeah. but but we when Face, we FaceTime. FaceTime yeah. It's uh it's the it's it's very interesting especially for their ages when you're trying to talk to a soon to be 12 year old and a nine year old and you're telling them what they're doing wrong and they walk away from, <laughs> from the, the phone, phone. <laughs> and there is literally nothing you can do. Right. And then their mother is screaming, your father is talking to you. And <laughs> it's, it's very interesting, you know, but I give them all the credit in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, the true heroes are going to be Jay. I don't think they're going to be able to appreciate that until they get older what they've had to endure uh they are the ones you know if if our ceo you know if if mary barrett came to me to shake my hand tomorrow i would not shake her hand i would tell her you need to go to lordstown youngstown ohio and find jacob and jordan sargentopoulos and shake their hand because your decisions they're the ones who have endured this at such a young age and have done well because a lot of kids are not doing well with this whole decision making how, process. How do you think this has affected your family dynamics as far as like your, your, you being able to parent and like, like kind of 
show your authority to your children. Mm-hmm. I mean, because like my kids, like they, they think they can run rampant all the time. Yeah. And especially when I'm not around, like <laughs> yeah. they, they listen to me better than they do my wife. Yeah. But you know, I could imagine that when a father is gone and they know he's gone, he's out of town for an extended period of time yeah. that they think they could probably do whatever they want. Do you, how, what are those dynamics like? Uh, so here's here's where again where I'm lucky. I always look at the. I try to always. I, people who know me personally really close know that there's times when I break down, right? But there's. Uh, I try to stay as focused as possible, and I look at it like this. You know, in Lansing. Two weeks later, we went on strike. I was home for six weeks. Then we came back. Two and a half, three months later, COVID. Went back home for three months. All right, and kids with me the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, came back up here and, and then we had, um, uh, uh, several other situations. All right. Where we were shut down for a while this past summer, we were down for three months, three and a half months. And so I look at it that way. We're going to be down for a month. Now the kids have been up here about 10 times now, uh, where we've had them up there. I have two roommates that have been fantastic. <laughs> and uh, miss Liz to the kids. And, um, and, and so it's been, it's been lucky for me that I've been able was the closest and, and again, mm-hmm. the striking distance, um, as far as raising them, the dynamics and everything I'm divorced. Right. So, and, and I think a lot of people think it's very strange because when you see me and Shannon together with the boys, we're very, we don't always agree on everything and we still argue, but the whole thing when we sat down was they have to have the best family dynamic despite the situation that we're in and so we had already been preparing for this without even knowing it and in two different households and they had already been learning that process so it's just the same thing now except dad's a little further away but this is i break it down like a football game like when i go home in december it's halftime it's literally, I'm halfway there. And it was the first quarter, then the second quarter. So January, when I come back, they're, they're going to know it's the third quarter. Mm-hmm. So, and this is what we expect in the third quarter. All right, mom is finishing nursing school in May. This is going to be a rough four months for her. Dad's going to be back and forth. This is how we're going to run. And so it's like a game plan. Does it go perfect? No, it doesn't. And we need a lot of variables outside, like parents, grandparents help out a tremendous amount. I can't even explain to you. Uh, how much uh, people around us have helped out. Our babysitter, I can't, back home, she's been phenomenal. She's done things where she's picked them up at school on certain days for so many you know, weeks just to help us out. So you can't, you can't leave any of these people out of the equation. Again, when one person struggle, you have to look at all the dynamics all around them and all the people that, that are affected by that. And mm-hmm. so this didn't just affect Tony Sargentopoulos. This affected 4,500 people times probably three because of all those people that are, you know, were affected. And again, the way I try to look at this is Lordstown's only one of how many plants now that have closed? Talking about Walmart, you start talking about Target, you start talking about all, all these companies, okay? They make business decisions and they don't make them based on is it going to benefit a thousand people or two thousand people? Yeah, that's not their focus. I mean, you can go all the way back to um, General Motors down in Detroit, right? Yeah. I mean, 
it was a booming city back in the 70s and mm-hmm. 80s and maybe even 90s and now it's it's all like just flattened yeah it, it's, it's it, and it seems like it seems like they're trying to remodel everything their business model and push everything back into that area which i get it uh you know and, and so everything if you look at a map and you look at where gm is played like you know oklahoma city's gone they had a plant in california that they sold to elon musk which maybe have been a big mistake right then, yeah then he closed it uh, yeah, sure. yeah well i mean not only that but now you have the guy who's in basically the forefront of ev mm-hmm. electric vehicles although we say that we are but we're no. not and and so you know it, it's it's kind of funny but they're moving away from out west they're they're it almost looks like a snake now with the GM plants where they're aligned, and it seems like everything is moving back towards Detroit. So maybe that's the gains. But I do know, uh, selfishly, is that I may be done. I'm trying to gear my game plan in that direction, and if I'm not done in 2023, then I tell the kids we may have to go in overtime, and overtime may be another year or two. And, uh, and then we're definitely done. Uh, that is, uh, you know, hopefully not, you know, what happens, but we have to keep that in the back of our mind that mm-hmm. that may happen. So, yeah, that's gotta be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to comment on something real quick. Yeah. Are, people are saying that the sounds cutting in and out of the live stream. Oh, I was wondering if you think I should just end the live stream and just record the rest. So let me ask you a question. If you if you cut the uh, so if you let the live stream go and then you put the recording, will that also if be? If this is all recording, it'll still record. Right. So in other words, though, if you do the live stream and it cuts in and out, but then you post the recording later for your show, mm-hmm. will it cut in and out? When I people, don't think so. Uh, no. I, I I guess you just stay with it, and as long as it's not going to do that to your show after okay, you. Okay. No, post I don't. It. I don't think so. Okay. I hope not. (laughs) And then Cipriano said, are you guys really matching? Mm. (laughs) Mm. Oh, um, my gosh. You've worked for GM for 20-some years, and you have a couple years to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's your game plan? You obviously own this business of training athletes. What's your long-term goal with that? Um, And then how is that going to tie into the podcast as well? So TKS Athletics didn't come about really until 2014. In 2001, 2002, uh, I met a gentleman at work, uh, Dennis Peebles, uh, who is a trainer, a certified professional trainer. And uh, I was just finishing up in the sport of powerlifting. I, I did that for about six or seven years. And we ended up working across from each other for a while. And he started talking to me about lifting. And then he started talking to me about a business that he does and wanted to know if I wanted to come aboard. Another gentleman, uh, Mr. Mitch Zupko, uh, who knew Dennis from high school, was doing the same thing. And so we formed our own business and we started working with Apple. With opinion, you know, and, and people just go in their separate ways. Dennis and I kind of stuck together and we met um, a gentleman by the name of Steve Holleran in uh, this company called House of Speed. Started working with him. Uh, House of Speed didn't make it. Uh, it was a franchise. It just didn't make it. And, and so that's when I said, I love doing what I'm doing. I started getting all my certifications through International Sports Sciences Association. And I said, I'm gonna keep doing this. And that's when I came up with TKS Athletics since 2014. And basically I, uh, I, I stayed with it. And for seven years now, uh, I've been doing it. And when GM was going to walk away, I said, there's got to be a way that I keep doing this here, here. So that when I get here, I can do this full time. 
uh, what's the game plan? The game plan when I get home is to open it up to clinics, going to different area high schools, talking to athletic directors. I train out of two places right now. The main place is Sluggers of Ohio, which is a, it's in Poland, Ohio, which is right next to Camel, Ohio. Uh, and then another place, which is like, uh, it's called the Avalon Tennis Club. Kind of looks like the tennis facility Michigan State has. Okay. Uh, right yep. over here. Yeah. Yep. So it kind of looks the same way as that. And uh, I train out of there occasionally as well. Um, and then if I train a high school, I normally go to whatever facility they're at. So um, it was kind of ironic. One year I was training Howland's, Howland Warren's soccer team. They were ranked 13th in the nation. And I think Okemos was ranked 14th. So wow. I was telling the coach from Howland. From and since then, Howland's actually been ranked number one in the nation. Oh, wow. Yeah, they won state uh, once. I think they lost once and won once. I'm not sure. But, um, uh, and so I go to their facilities whenever that happens. Or if I'm going to run a clinic, I might go to a different facility. I don't have my own facility. Is that something I might do in the future? I don't know. Because I look at the logistics. I look at all the, like the business sense and people who open facilities, and I look at the, the rate of success, and it's not very high mm -hmm. once you open your own building. Yeah. There's so much that goes into that. It can't just be you going in there. You're going to be, you're going to have to have um, multi, you know, usable. Right, so you right, right. Space in there, uh, in signing contracts for long-term, and, and it, you have to, financially, it just seems like a nightmare. So I don't know that I'll ever do that. I really don't. Which is where, again, I'm lucky to have a pension because that's money I could fall back on and not have to worry about making so much money, you know, with the, hey, you right. know, yeah. so, so where does the podcast come in? Um, well, let's kind of back up a little bit. Sure. Let's, let's talk about um, how you got into fitness. Um, I know that you have a, a past of power lift, power lift. 20, 27 to 33 years old. It was about six years. Let's talk about that okay. a little bit. Um, How'd you get into that? So I was, I, I, we actually did a show on Two Brothers One Mike about this. Um, you know, I, I started really getting into fitness when uh, my dad, uh, you know, I'd go downstairs when I was in high school. I was 128 pounds soaking wet. Uh, <laughs> I just was not a big guy at all. I never was tall. I'm 5'8 when the sun's out. And, and <laughs> dad lifting these weights and oh, oh and he, yeah yeah and so uh, he i'd see him lifting and my dad was a strong guy he put like two of us on one arm dad and you know we got this thing called kind of like the bowflex it was like it was like And I started gaining some weight. You know, I got up to like 165 pounds when I got into college and I started getting stronger. So a gym opened up in the town that I'm from. Different area cities that started coming in. And there was these two big guys there. I mean, big dudes, you know. And, and I, I was like, I always looked at them like, man, look at these guys. You know, benching 450 for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 reps. And, and I would go over and do my weight. And one day the one guy, you know, he, he said to me, he goes, uh, you, you should – should join. We're going to start doing a powerlifting team. We're going to start competing. You should join. And I thought, this guy got to be crazy. I thought he meant like the heavyweight division. <laughs> of 
they have like 165 pound, 181, 100, you know, 198. So I thought, really, you think? And so he's like, yes. You know, see where it goes. So I started lifting with these guys and my strength went through the roof with these guys. You know, I started benching, you know, 380. I started squatting, you know, around 500, deadlifting a little over 500, you know, as I, you know, as the years went on and on. 32, 33 meets with a group of like 13 or 14 guys that basically changed the whole dynamic of my mindset the whole time. Something that I don't think they really understand. The gym was called Sensation Fitness and Tanning. And those guys really, I didn't understand what it meant to be part of a team or what it meant to sacrifice until those guys. Uh, and uh, Mitch Zupko, who I mentioned earlier, was one of the guys uh, who, um, uh, who really changed the way I looked at things and, and, and viewed things and understood about this no-quit attitude that I needed to have. <laughs> best trophy I ever received. I think I got first place like six or seven times. But the best trophy I ever received was, was fifth place, which I don't like because my mindset is I'm from, folks, I'm old, I'm old. But I got this medal and I because the reason why I kept it was normally when I was younger, I would have quit. I would have said, you know what? I'm not good at this. I'm done. But I, I stayed with it for like 15, 16 more meets over the next several years. And so I said to myself, you know what? That, this is a pretty important moment right here. So I kept it somewhere upstairs in the attic, you know, but I was going to say, uh, you should put it right above your bed. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right yeah. Beside your head. Yeah. I, <laughs> my friends would never let me live that down. <laughs> Uh, and so I actually kept my trophies out for Daily a long reminder. time. Yeah. I kept my trophies out for a long time and my <clears> friends <throat> were coming over for like New Year's Eve parties and they would steal the trophies <laughs> and then they would take, they would take them with them to Florida and take pictures <laughs> with them on the, you know, on the beach. And I'm like, and then I would go downstairs and I'd be like, wow, they are gone. Yeah. I never <laughs> even realized it. So, you know, that's just a funny story, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's where I started realizing, uh, you know, it was, it, it, I'm done quitting. That's it, you know, and and so I think that's where I get my my crazy drive from. That you know, some people just don't understand. Um, they just don't under people just don't get it, you know. And I just tell people, tell people well, that's one thing I've I've always kind of noticed about you was ever since I met you. Mm -hmm. um, I know when you first came to our plant, you you kind of had an attitude like you didn't want to be there, which I completely get. Yeah, um, but getting to know you you've you talked about you know like your your business and training training to start uh like a youtube channel talking about fit health and fitness yeah. and and then that was kind of like the center of everything and then it kind of formed into the podcast and then you're just you're constantly studying um to get your certifications like yeah. you're always studying something oh, with the international sports sciences uh, the thing about that was this, my degree is a business degree and with a minor in marketing and selling. So it helps me out with my business, you know, but it's not, where'd you get your degree from Youngstown state university. Oh, okay. And, and so, which is where I was accepted into the MBA program before I said, I'm going to step away and go finish this. When I started doing my training, I said, well, I'm not going back to get my degree in exercise science for four years now. <laughs> I need to find a reputable institution that is going to train me uh, academically mm -hmm. on understanding the human body and how it works. 
And that's when I found International Sports Sciences Association. And they are absolutely fantastic. And so I started working on all my certifications and writing essays and dissertations and and working with mentors and, and, and they're out of, um, they're based out of Utah. Okay. And, um, I'm actually going to get an associate's degree in exercise science with them. That's my next goal. Uh, but I have five certifications with them now in sports, fitness, nutrition, uh, corrective exercise, youth fitness training, group fitness training, uh, certified fitness training for all ages. And they really make you work. It takes three to four months to finish each. And that's if you really push it, you know, mm-hmm. it takes me sometimes six or seven months just because everything else I got going on in my life just to finish everything. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, yeah. we, this is back when we were working a lot of overtime mm-hmm. and you're, you're, I'm like, Hey, what are you doing tonight? And you're like, I'm going home to study. Yeah. Or yeah. that's what I'm doing this week. And I'm studying. Yeah. I had, I have no choice because this, if this I didn't, driven. well, if I didn't finish in a certain time, it's a penalty. Uh, you, you end up losing. I mean, it, it these courses cost up to 780, $800. Um, and again, uh, it's a, it's a program that was, uh, uh, found by, uh, Salaria, uh, Celery. It sounds like Celery, <laughs> Sal Aria, Dr. Sal Aria. Um, and, um, name. he was known as Dr. Squat back in the, in the seventies. And I'm going completely uh, blank on his name. Maybe it'll come to me in a minute, but he passed away uh, several years ago. But, uh, the whole thing was, you know, based on getting people, uh, into an accredited program to help them understand the science behind exercise. And it's helped me. It's benefited me tremendously over the years, big time. I've been working with ISSA now for, I want to say 14 years, 13 or 14 years. So, and I love doing it. I mean, it's, it's awesome. I took, um, I took a personal, I haven't got my certification yet, but, um, I recommend it to anybody. Yeah. I mean, just taking the course and just reading the book even, yeah. uh, is a great idea because you learn so much about the anatomy yes. and the way you should train and different mm. different types of types. Uh, NSCA, ISSA, mm-hmm. very reputable institutions that that uh, uh, most colleges, most most NCAA uh, um, colleges will they recognize they re- it. yeah they recognize them. So I mean. Uh, that's, that's definitely something that I saw. And so I jumped at it. Uh, and, and, and that's where, you know, I'm driven there. Uh, and, and so like you were saying about the podcast, uh, when I came up to Lansing, my brother said to me, my brother, Joe, uh, he said to me, we've got it. Now, Joe, Joe works with technical, uh, say Joe, Joe has a business. He works with videography for weddings. Um, uh, graduation pictures. Uh, he does website development. He does business development and marketing with, you know, doing different social media and, and stuff like that. And this is Joe's thing. Like this right here, Joe would be in heaven, right? <laughs> he'd be right while we, while we were talking, he'd be over here I wish trying to here. figure out what's going on, <laughs> you know, right. And, 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 and his thing. And so Joe was like, we need to get you out further than Youngstown because if we're going to prepare you to your end game at General Motors, you can't just come home to Youngstown, Ohio, because unfortunately, Youngstown, Ohio is not to get you out further. And he said, how about a YouTube channel where you talk to people? So I buy all this equipment, uh, all his recommendation, cameras, lights, um, microphone, phone. 
facing the, the phone around the apartment where I'm at in Lansing. He's telling us where to do all the setting up and this is how you got to leave it. And, <laughs> and, and so I do about six YouTube edit them. Oh and then all of a sudden one day he says, this isn't going to work. <laughs> and I said, I said, he said, this is crazy. We're, we're not going to be able to keep up by doing this every week. What happens if you're stuck in Lansing for three weeks? And there's ways around that, but I am technologically ignorant. <laughs> so me like sending Joe all these different, it ain't going to happen, right? I want to say it, you know? And uh, he says, what about instead of a YouTube channel, what if we do a podcast? Now, my immediate reaction was to choke him. You know, I, I could see 1984 all over again with me and him just fist fighting down the steps <laughs> into the basement, back up the stairs, the dog biting at our legs. You know, my mother screaming, go outside, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and so that's all I could see was red. And I said, what do you mean? I just bought all this equipment. He said, listen, you know, hear me out. And he actually come up with a good idea. So I'm, I'm very skeptical at this point because Joe always used to tell me, He's not the guy in front of the camera. He likes to be the guy behind. Comfortable with that. Right. So I'm thinking to myself, he's going to do this thing where it's going to be me and him. And the first name was the average Joe. Oh, that's awesome. And, and the reason why was because Joe changed his entire physique by listening to me. But what I didn't know was he was doing all kind of research after I was telling him things. So he researched intermittent fasting, the ketogenic diet all these exercises, all these different things. And he was doing all this research, unbeknownst to me, I, I, did, I did not know that he was doing, was doing. Joe lost about 65 pounds, all right? Wow. And he got himself in really good shape. And he overcame, he has, you know, these, and he talks about it on our podcast, mm -hmm. uh, The Fear of Anxiety uh, is the one show where he talks about all the anxiety issues that he still battles um, and how he overcomes that. And so we were going to call it the average Joe because it was going to be a show about anybody. Do the work and look what you can do for yourself. You don't have to be a professional trainer. So the one guy was going to be the professional. The other guy was going to be the guy who has a completely different life, you know, in terms of his professional work, but right. was able to do the research. Too many people had the average Joe. What? The name. Really? Yeah. Oh, and so I don't even remember how we came up with it. But, you know, we, we came up with two brothers, one Mike, and I don't even know how, I can't even think that it would be a different name now. You know, it's, but it's not, what people don't understand is they think that eventually when we do something like this, because it's all audio right now. Right. They think they're going to see two guys sitting across the table and one Mike <laughs> coming down from the ceiling. And that's just the not name. What, yeah. Just the name. Yeah. It's the name is two brothers, one Mike, because it's two brothers with one voice. So that's what the, that's the concept where okay. we're together and explaining our journeys. So that's where it comes from. It's not really one, one mic. mic. Right. Yeah. I could see both of us up on top of one <laughs> mic trying to talk. It would really look odd. Keep passing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Back and forth. <laughs> Although we might get more viewers laughing, but, uh, so, you know, eventually folks, if you ever watch two brothers, one mic, when we eventually have video, please understand there's going to be more than one mic. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, we, we do our first show and we do like six shows before we even talk about the fact that we're going to do a podcast. So on the first show, we do it back and forth. And then Joe sends me a link and I listen to it and I'm nervous. I'm thinking this is going to sound really stupid. And I'm listening to Joe. I'm not even listening to me. And I'm like, 
damn, he sounds really good. Like he sounded really good. I was, I was totally stoked to use whatever generation uses that word. Really good. I mean, like, I think he sounds better than me when he's talking yeah lis- listening to the podcast uh he he's natural he's yeah a, he's a born natural yeah i mean he he acts like he's done it forever yeah like th- your guys's first episode i was like wow he's actually pretty good at this yeah and i was like and that was what i was nervous about because i thought he was <clears throat> nervous about that and he's actually really good and and so and so that was when it was kind of funny because we had six episodes ready to go and we were going to make an announcement and you announced like <laughs> like that week you know that Rise Above was coming, and I was—I told my brother, I go, I go <laughs> but he's going to do a podcast, and so that's when I came to you. I go, guess what? It's what? Uh, trying to like, you know, that, and and so that's why I wanted to tell you we were kind of keeping it on the down low because if it didn't work out, we didn't want to like tell these right. people, that, you know. Right. Um, so we kind of like literally came out at the same time. Yeah, Rise above yeah. and two brothers, one mic. Yeah, I think I posted my first uh, episode. It was like January 29th or something like that. And but then like I mean you've you've stayed consistent with it the whole time, like this whole last year. Um, We're once a week. Once a week. Yeah. And then like for me, I since I do like interviews, it's kind of spotty. You know, like I don't I don't build them up. I just I do the interview and then I I post it generally. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there was a, a period of time where I didn't do any. And then we got laid off and then I just, I was like, I'm hitting this hard. Yeah. And and that's what I did. Well, that's, that's, that's where people, you ever notice my voice all of a sudden goes out and I'm like 12 years old again. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I always talk about that on the podcast too. I'm like, I don't understand why I go from 51 years old to like 13, like for a second, then I come back again. But I always um, think my voice sounds weird on the podcast mm-hmm. and then I go back and listen. I'm like, Oh, it doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. It sounds normal. No. Yeah. I think it sounds normal. <laughs> But I don't know, for some reason, mine, it's just like all of a sudden, eh, I don't know, <laughs> like Ross from Friends, he used to always do that. But um, so, I mean, you know, that's that's where we're at right now. The end game is to to hopefully receive some type of, uh, you know, arbitration is going on right now with General Motors in Lordstown. And uh, I, I believe Baltimore was another place they closed at the same time. And and. determination and i don't know what they're going to offer i mean there's a lot of skeptical you know everyone's skeptical and some people are pessimistic some people are optimistic didn't they just sell the plant they sold the plant to lordstown motors and i believe uh, they just sold it they, well no they joined forces with somebody and i can't remember the name now um there's actually a lot of people from lordstown that took a retirement package that was not offered until after we signed on a dotted line to go somewhere else but that's okay, right? So, so there were a few that that just you know took a chance, you know, and God bless them. And and so they're working at Lordstown Motors now because they want people who have a background. Uh, and but they're it, making less money. Well, I don't know better. exactly what's going on. What I do know is they're not at full production right now. Um, uh, every time I drive by, it's it's there's not you know a whole lot of cars in the parking lot. It's a very slow startup process. And sometimes I'll text a few of the guys and. They seem optimistic. So it would be crazy for somebody who worked for, for General Motors, Lordstown, to want to see it fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't yeah, want that. No. I mean, it's for Youngstown. You need that to work. Um, but if people think that it's going to be a booming business that's going to bring Youngstown back, 
I, I just don't see, from a financial standpoint, I don't see what they're looking at. I mean, when you look at purchasing power, I try to explain this to people. You take people who are making $32 an hour, they take that money and they buy things. Mm-hmm. Now you got people making $18 an hour. They're buying less things. They're buying less things. They're buying, they're buying cheaper things. I, I mean, I don't understand how nobody understands the trickle-down effect of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it really, and, and you know, when I started at GM Lordstown, there were 10,000 people there. Uh, when when they, the last, the last group out was 1,600 people. How many people are going to work at Lordstown Motors? I don't know. I don't know. The battery plant is going in for GM right next door to it. There's rumor that, there's rumor they may offer us an opportunity to go back there, but as second tier, as second tier for $18 an hour. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, these are all the things that are going to be on the table that I'm hearing about, but you know, when it comes to this business, uh, rumor is, is mm-hmm. in without the rumor starting. Oh yeah. It's like high school. It, 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 it's <laughs> big time high school. And, uh, and then now introducing social media and we have our own page and what a nightmare that becomes sometimes. It's complete comedy. Like I go on there and just post jokes and I get like 65 people laughing at it. And <laughs> the whole purpose is you have to laugh, you know, yep. you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a, it's a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's probably the best way to put it uh, in Greek. That'd be skata. That's what it is. It's what it is. That, that's what it is. I mean, it's, it's, it's people who, to me, social media, especially Facebook, is people who would never, uh, never, if they were sitting around this table with us right now, ever they, say anything like know. they do when they're in their dark room, in their underwear, by themselves, <laughs> yep. just typing away, angrier than yep. hell at everybody. Yep. You know, and, and, and so you gave them a way to reach out to the entire world now, and now millions of people are just giving their, you know, advice. So yeah, yeah, you got to laugh. You just have to laugh at it. Are keyboard, you? keyboard warriors are definitely strong uh-huh. behind the keyboard. It's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. it's, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so coming from the old GM, coming yeah. from the way GM used to be and how it is now, what, what, what are your opinions about that? I mean, because oftentimes, I mean, I'm a newer hire. I mean, I've been there for eight yeah. years, but I'm I'm part of the new GM. I was mm-hmm. never hired in during the the good old days, as everybody says. What well, were what were those like? And the good old the good old days were good and bad. I understand a lot of the. Listen, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very transparent. I'm gonna be very straightforward. I understand why the company had to make a lot of decisions decisions they made uh, in the early 2000s um, when they cut Oldsmobile. I know that was a big. Uh, sore uh, a big sore spot for a lot of people up here um and and for you're losing jobs and anytime you're losing jobs it, that's not a good thing uh especially for middle class america but the company had too much fat and that's all there is to it okay uh this is the way i look at it and this is my business degree talking right now okay uh when you have a gmc yukon and a chevy tahoe they look exactly alike and you're in you're, you're you're selling both you have the pontiac yeah. sunbird and you have the Chevy Cavalier. Had that in so many different lines with GM, and I think they were putting too much of the same out there, and people were tired of it. Customers were displaying dissatisfaction with that, so they started cutting back and cutting fat. And I think they ran over their head with the amount of money they were spending, and they were trying to hurry and get out of that situation. 2000, 2001, 2002, and then the recession hit in 2008, and that put them in a bind. 
because they weren't there yet. So what happened? The president had to make a very unpopular decision, right? And bail out the auto industry uh, in terms of General Motors and Chrysler. And was it selfishly a good move on on our part? Sure, yeah, way to go, President. You know, I mean, thank you, you know. And, and I think that, I think I understand where he's coming from because if the auto industry would have failed, see, it's not really capitalism when you talk about capitalism. Capitalism is, you know, we're gonna give you an opportunity to start up your own business and you're going to have to make the right decisions to make that business successful. Right. If you fail, you fail. You know, we're not here as a government to bail you out. And so General Motors made some bad decisions, but I think what the president was looking at was there's over a million, a million and, and what can that do to the economy of this country? And so it's, you know, well, I, we're kind of seeing it now, right? Mm -hmm. With COVID. Yeah. I mean, we worked the whole time. Yeah. Uh, everybody was laid off for COVID. For the most part. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, we were down for what? Two months, three months, three months, three months. But then we went back full force. Yeah. And uh, it actually hasn't hit us until recent. I, I guess this less But I mean, you can kind of see the trickle down effect from mm -hmm. from from that happening. I yeah. mean, you drive around to any dealership, all the lots are empty. You can't buy a new vehicle. I have everybody asking me, where are, where, where are they? Well, they're sitting on our lots, you know, 10, 12,000 deep because we don't have wheel liners. We don't have this. We don't have that because suppliers are having so many issues with getting the parts to us. And it, it's that trickle down effect that we're experiencing. Everybody knows about the micro trip situation. And, and so that's what we're dealing with right now. That's, that's, that's the nature of the game right now. And you know, you have to really wonder what the decision making process is at the highest levels and what the stress level is in making those decisions because too many wrong decisions could really can really send this thing into a but what is crazy is this. We're still on on track to make just as much in profit this year as any other year, if not more. And so that's what always amazes me. When you talk about profitability, you're talking about the the, the bills are paid. You're, talk, you're not talking mm -hmm. about earnings before interest and taxes. You're not talking about net revenue. You're left. And when a company's making between 10 and $12 billion a year through all this, it's just amazing. It is amazing. I mean, it's just amazing that they're able to do that. Um, what do you think the future looks like as far as uh, uh, an auto worker, uh, just a normal average uh, auto worker who works the assembly line with the EVs coming? Well, I mean, we obviously can see it with Tesla. They have a lot less employees, mm -hmm. um, but they're also creating jobs in other aspects, like they're going to be building a bat battery plant at our, at our facility or yeah. near our facility. Yes. So, what do you think that? How, how do you think that's going to affect us? If I was to talk to a young person today, I would tell them get some type of certification or background in a skilled trade. Understand, you, you know, whether it's electrician or you know carpentry, wh whatever it is. Uh, even plumbing, anything with that type of background, I think is going to become huge. Um, if you're looking just to follow mom or dad into an auto plant to work on the assembly line, not a good idea. Those days are gone. Yeah, uh, it's it's a ghost town. You know, it's a ghost town. It's tumbleweeds. Um, yeah. When I started in 1993, there were 72 people. I remember this. I counted them one day because I couldn't believe it. There were 72 people on my line. Just my just five thirty six. So it's, it's just crazy. It's, it's crazy. Taken over. 
Um, I really think that the kids need to get a background in, in, in technology, you know, ITT, um, some type of technological background, mm-hmm. um, um, computers and so on and so forth. And again, skilled trades work. Uh, I think that's going to be the future of, you know, building electrical vehicles. So, um, so I guess moving forward, what, what do you, um, what's your goals with a podcast? I mean, obviously you talk about health and fitness. You mm-hmm. talk about, um, being the best you, yeah. um, you, you've recently been interviewing people. Yes. Um, what's your goals? So, uh, you know what I see, uh, here, here's one thing I'll, I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little bit of information here, but here's one thing I always believe in. Never just throw all your goals out there on the table for everybody to hear because number one, and we talked about this in our podcast before you, 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 sometimes people will do that just to get those thumbs up buttons and, and oh, yeah. oh, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Go for it. And, and that's not what you want. And number two, if it doesn't come to fruition, all right, if it doesn't work, then you're kind of like standing there going, oops, sorry, never mind, you know? And then it gives all your haters a place for them to be like, yeah. oh, you suck. You weren't able to do it anyways. Let me tell you <laughs> something. You don't know how bad we're waiting on our haters. We actually have one that we know of. We want 99 more. We want 100. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why, folks. And listen to me when I say this. Haters are a great marketing tool. They really are. Because yeah. what they do is they go tell everybody about how stupid your stuff is. Uh, Rise Above, that's the dumbest podcast I ever heard of in my life. That guy doesn't even know what he's doing. He interviews all these people. And, other, and then what happens? Out of those 10, two of them go listen. Mm-hmm. And one of them liked the show. You just gained another listener because right. of the hater. Yeah. So that's the way I look at it. People's perception of you never have to be your reality. So I always say anybody who's not listening or anybody who thinks that we do a, you know, our podcast is dumb, that's okay. I mean, you don't have to like our podcast. It might not even be what you're, you, maybe you're looking for, you know, murder mystery podcasts and things of that nature. Those are pretty popular. Uh, but, but to go out, and I, there's this one guy from our hometown that I know of because people come tell me that literally goes out and like literally bashes us. And I'm just like, really? I'm like, is your life that bad? I mean, what we're is, not even. What does he do? Uh, I, I don't even know. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm not worried about not what he's doing. Yeah. It, it's just very strange to me because it just, it, when, when somebody is putting that much energy into something like that, they have their own demons they have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, I hope the best for him and I hope he's telling as many people as possible just so our numbers keep going up, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, haters are definitely a motivation, right? Oh, big time, um, big time. And yeah, you can't pay attention to that. No. I mean, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, and regardless of what people say on Facebook, it, exactly. it doesn't, doesn't matter. Facebook is definitely not even, we, 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 Facebook, we actually have 5% of our listeners listen to us on Facebook podcasts. So it's kind of a cool marketing tool, mm-hmm. but but as far as my personal page is concerned, I think I have 1,000, 1, I don't even know who 300 of them are. <laughs> and, and, and That's a I, lot of friends, though. Yeah, yeah. I literally... Friends. But, but I just leave I'm them I'm amazed on. that you're friends with the 900 more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so that being said, uh, out of all them people, I don't know how many people actually listen to our podcast. Our podcast is listened to in 10 different countries right now. So I'm not worried about, I'd love to have all 1,150 some people listening to my podcast. I'm sure my brother would feel the same exact way if he was sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. But, but we can't like hope, we, when we go on Facebook and talk about our podcast, it's just another avenue that we're right. using on top of everything else. We're
I go one day is to get off of the personal part of Facebook yep. and just go to my two brothers, one like page. And that's where we do all our discussion. That'd be healthier. Yeah, very much so. Um, right now, uh, you know, we use it for other avenues right now. Uh, and so you, you kind of have to, I mean, yeah. it's a free, free tool. Why not? Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I use it for, for promotion of that's actually pretty much all I use it for is promotion yeah. for the podcast. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll go on just to make people laugh and say something stupid yeah. and it's really just making, just making, I, I saw one guy the other day, I, I think he gave a 15 paragraph dissertation on mask or no mask. And, and I couldn't believe the arguing that was going on for like 75, 76 comments right after that. I mean, these people were angry with each other. And, and I just, I can't understand how that happens, but. Who has time for all that? Apparently they do. Sometimes yeah, yeah. I'll go on and like a post like that and I'll just look at the comments. I'm like, who, who has time to sit here and yeah. comment? And then yeah. they'll like, somebody will argue with them and then they'll argue back with yeah. them and it just goes on and on and on. I'm yeah. like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, everyone has their, their different uses of Facebook. We're trying to use it for, you know, comedy <laughs> and, and to get, uh, and to get, you know, and apparently, um, 80s and 70s night uh, music <laughs> uh, is a big hit for me. So, um, and you uh, kind of tie some of that into your podcast as well, right? As far as as far as like doing like trivia and like um, like we do. Uh, I told my brother I'm not doing the podcast unless you let me somehow tie in 80s and 70s stuff, and he just rolled his eyes like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> and so, in season one, we were just throwing things in there in the beginning of the show. Uh, you know, just like John Hughes movies, The Breakfast Club, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and it wasn't tying to the show. So in season two, he said, you've got to tie whatever you're using to the show somehow. So that's what we do now. You know, we, we try to use whatever, uh, whatever we're talking about. We try to use that for, for whatever, you know, is going to happen. Carnivore diet, which I want to ask you a question about real quick before we're done here yeah. today. Um, we had the carnivore diet, so I was like, what can I do to, you know, tie something in here from the 80s? And there was a commercial. I don't know if you've ever seen the commercial. It's, it's Where's the Beef from Wendy's. Oh, Where's yeah. The beef yeah. So I was like, where's the beef? You know, that lady from the Wendy's commercial. And so that was what I tied in to the beginning of the carnivore diet show. Uh, and so that's how I have to make sure, you know, per per. I have to make sure we tie it in. And I get that. That makes sense because it flows a lot better. But I want to ask you, one of the shows I listened to not that long ago on my way back home to Youngstown uh, for Rise Above was a gentleman who owns Redemption Fitness. Is oh, that okay. what it is? Yep. I know you, he started talking about nutrition a little bit, and you spoke about the carnivore diet. Yep. So we did a show on the carnivore diet, and then we had an interview with Amber Landsman Butcher. She's an exercise fitness guru. Academically, her background is uh, extensive, uh, and a colleague of mine. And so she talked about it. How's it working out for you? The carnivore diet? Um, well, I, I guess it's not working out too well. I I'm the interviewer now. <laughs> I haven't done it in a while. I, oh, okay. I think I've been off of it for about a year. Okay. Um, but I eat still mainly meat and eggs. Okay. I, I, I eat pretty much everything though. Yeah. I eat steak and eggs. I got you. So I'll just grill up like a flank steak or mm -hmm. two flank steaks a week, and then I'll just chop it up and yeah. take that every single day and fry yeah. up eggs or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I eat for the most part. And then for like dinner, I'll just eat like mainly meat, um, but I'll have like a potato or yeah. some vegetables. So you sprinkle a little bit in there. Yeah. 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 And I was just curious <laughs> when you were talking about that, I said, I'm going to ask him on the podcast. Gonna... But when I was eating, eating energy and that I've actually felt stronger yeah. like during my lifts during my workouts I felt like 
like re- like it was i don't know it was weird like i felt uh, aggressive yeah. like i could lift more weight yeah. like like i could push more weight and we it's, talk about that and 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 again uh on our podcast we talk about all the eating lifestyles whether it's ketogenic paleo mediterranean carnivore vegetarian we introduce everything to everybody, intermittent fasting, how they can work together and so on and so forth. You're a big proponent of intermittent fasting. I'm huge. I'm a huge proponent of that. Yes. You intermittent fast pretty much every day or every uh, week. You know, I, you have to, you have to play around with it. And, and when I was doing it every day, I started losing too much weight. Uh, so I, now what I do is I do two days a week. I do a 20 hour fast. So I do a 20 and four on Mondays and Thursdays. How does that make you feel? Uh, great. Great. I've been able to maintain my weight at 182 pounds for a long period of time now. Because if I eat too much, I, I think I get up to, I think there was times when I was close to 210 pounds. So I got down to 174 and I said, this isn't, I feel, I don't, you know, I started seeing that 128 <laughs> pound kid again and I, I didn't like it. I liked that 180 range, 185. So 182, uh, again, 5'8", soaking wet, uh, you know. Obviously, it's a joke. Five H soaking wet should be (laughs) it should be how much I weigh soaking wet. But I'm you know I'm purposely doing that. But um, so you know uh, it's it's it work. I love it. It works out. It works out for me great. And how does it make you feel during your workouts? Uh, You know what I love is the two days that I intermittent fast. I work out before I break my fast. So I've already gone 20 hours almost. And uh, there's so much when you look at all the studies with intermittent fasting, all the benefits that come with working out while your body's already burning fat times 10 uh, in that process, the workout just goes and doubles that, you know. So you're burning body fat left and right. Uh, And, you know, a lot of people are worried about muscle tissue and burning lean muscle tissue. And, folks, your body's not burning lean muscle tissue at that point in time. Um, Your your body knows better than to do that. It's burning body fat. And, and, And... um, we talk about it a lot on our show and, and a person who I love listening to is Dr. Jason Fung. Have you ever listened to his podcast? Mm-hmm. No, before? I no. Uh, him and, uh, uh, Thomas Delore, uh, he talks a lot about intermittent fasting, but, uh, we talk about it on our show and it, it's, it's amazing the, all the things that people have a misconception about and how good it can be for you if you do it the right way. Um, there's a lot of, uh, myths out there on why it's bad for you. Now it's not good for everybody. So you have to do your research. That's mm-hmm. the biggest thing about our podcast. We tell people, you can lead, we can lead you to the hill. Right? If you fall back down, we'll catch you, but we're not going to keep carrying you up the hill. People right. don't want to do the research. You yeah. know? They don't want to sit down and do the work. And that's just unfortunate because you have to do the work. That's why I like your guys' podcast so much because you're not telling people what they should be doing. You're yeah. telling people like, hey, this is well, an option. This is an option. Mm-hmm. This, and it's not the only option. It's mm-hmm. not the right option. It's not the wrong option. Right. But it's an option that you could try. Right. And you should probably research it for yourself right. and try it yourself. Yeah. Um, and maybe even un- under the advice of like a, a dietitian or, uh, you know, whatever. Family, we always make that disclaimer. Always your family doctor, physician. Uh, dietitian, nutritionist, mm-hmm. you need to sit down with people and say, hey, listen, people who know your medical background, yep. this is where I'm at. This is what I want to try. Maybe we can meet more often and you can, you know, take my vitals and see in directions I'm going while I try this and, and yep. things of that nature. Um, there's very def- important. There's definitely a need for that because a lot of people have a misconception of um, health and fitness. Yeah. They, I mean, they think that if you're in, intermittent fasting, you're going to get skinny. Yeah. Um, or if you're not, if you're just if you're like you work, uh, this is one thing my brother used to tell me, um, cause he wanted to put on muscle and I'm like, well, you should, you should definitely lift heavy Yeah. and, uh, and eat 
a lot of protein, um, like chicken and whatnot. But he's like, I, I, I'd get big if I did. If I maintain, <laughs> you're not going to get huge. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maintaining is different than than gaining. Uh, there's different, you know, avenues there. Uh, and boy, there, you, we can we could do a whole other podcast about that. Yeah, that's that. a whole another. Yeah, uh, when you talk about uh, concentric, eccentric, and isometric training, uh, and how you lift to gain. And then obviously with your nutritional gains, how you're, how many calories you're eating in and so on and so forth. Is that Cipriano again? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Sip said, tell that man to try my diet. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Sep is a beast. I'll give him that. I will. I'll give him that. Uh, uh, but how old is he? 23. Something like that. Sip, how old are you? So, so, I mean, you know, he's literally, I'm almost 30 years older than him. (laughs) I'm gonna have a push-up contest with him before I go, before I move back home. Um, uh, so, I mean, you know, basically that's what it's all about. You know, our podcast, it's about getting out to the people and talking about from shoulders down, uh, is important nutrition and exercise. But if you don't have it here, all right, if, if this isn't working, it doesn't matter because Mm -hmm. you're done. A ton of listeners about nutrition and exercise and then you see it drop down when we start doing the show about the best you and about overcoming uh when we have um our clinical psychologist uh uh dr nicole rentilla on and she talks about uh, integral fear and inner uh, you know all these different types of fear and how you overcome them you if she's on people will listen if it's just me and joe talking about it it's less and, and, and then, but not as much people don't listen when, when we have interviews with people, professionals, and it has anything to do with the brain. They don't listen as much as if we're going to talk about intermittent fasting. Really? It's like they, they think we're going to give them the magic pill, yeah. but they don't want to know about what they're going to need to do here in order for that magic pill to work. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to wait. Everybody wants, you know, like that, you right. know, you know. you're heavier you're going to lose weight quick yeah uh, we work with a gentleman uh he lost i think he lost 90 some pounds uh 95 pounds wow so i mean um if not more um so i mean you know it's it, it works you know not for everybody but give it a shot i'd say yeah so. absolutely um well wrapping this up do you have anything else you want to talk about the best you uh, for a reason. And, and that's, that's really sips 24, by the way, 24. Okay. So I'm more than double his age. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, what I want to say as far as being the best you is this, I think I'm talking about, you know, overcoming, you know, my situation, how I've been doing it. Um, and all the people, all the, you know, juggle all that at the same time. Right. At the end of the day, you have to live in the moment and do one thing that I always tell my athletes when I train. I train them. I, I tell them, win, win the battle before you win the war. And that's the thing. Too many people look at the end game, the end of the work day. We do that all the time at work. Look, you know, you keep looking at the clock, looking at line time, trying to figure out how, how, I how can make them go faster. Yeah, I, I don't. I, it's I, not healthy. Try not to. <laughs> and um, people can't wait. We do a show on Two Brothers One Mike. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> Why is everyone so concerned about Friday? What happened to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? You have to start winning the day, right? You have to win the battle mm-hmm. before you win the war. Yeah. If I keep looking at the end game when I'm going to retire, I'm going to miss out on everything. Every 
football games, uh, their, their school concerts, Christmas concerts, all those things that are happening in between, all the relationships at work, you know, the, the, and the things that we talk about and joke about. You miss out on all of that because you're so worried about the end game. So if there was one thing I hope everyone got from the show, it's win the battle, right, all right before you win the war. And that, that would basically be it. Be the best you. I think that's, um, that's a good point because, I mean, a lot of all, like, like Joe Rogan's talked about on his mm-hmm. podcast, rents due every single day. Yeah. And in order to be successful in your day, you should probably strive to do something difficult every single day. Yeah. Like whether it's working out or like studying for something, like a test that's coming up. Yeah. You should, you should always search for something to, yeah. that, that's difficult because then then it helps it helps all the, the other stuff yeah it does it doesn't it, seem it, so your, your mindset is you're training your mind and that's that's the most important thing that he's probably trying to get out to everybody you yeah. have eighty six thousand four hundred seconds in in one day and you know use them i mean they're there for a reason so that would be basically the best way to be the best you i think awesome uh where can people find your podcast uh, two brothers, one Mike. Uh, we are uh, off of Anchor. Uh, not very many people listen to us on Anchor, though. They listen to most of us. They listen, I, I want to say the highest percentage listens to us on Spotify mm-hmm. uh, and then Apple Podcast. We're on Facebook Podcast, Castbox. On there. And at some other smaller ones, uh, Google uh, Podcast. Yep. So if you go in there and search Two Brothers, One Mike, you can see my ugly face and, and my brother just standing there. <laughs> Uh, in our, in our, you know, our podcast, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, description. Um, uh, and then are you on social media? Obviously you said Facebook, but do you have an Instagram or anything like that? We don't, we have two brothers, one okay. mic on Facebook. That'd be the next move we make. And then, you know, one day we'll be on YouTube cool. and, and go from there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. I love doing it. <laughs>